Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Iwakim Eriksson, and I am the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. I feel good. I just did some yoga at the South Yuba Club, at the fancy gym. I had the day off. Yesterday I did a foot bath. And as you can tell, my spirit animal is a middle-aged white woman. I did a foot bath yesterday. I bought a foot bath on Amazon, a foot spa, as they're called in America, I'm realizing. And it has like a button and it makes it vibrate and it makes it bubbles. It's like a little hot tub and a cup of tea. I mean, in a something, a little teapot hot tub. Um, oh, I might start with the water because we, I kind of forgot to turn the heat off and, and it's hot up here and I'm thirsty. So today we're doing strawberry, spindrift strawberry, strawberry juice. It's not, not every day that you run into strawberry juice. Now, we did do a, um, margarita at Holbrook for a bit there, which was a strawberry jalapeno shrub powered margarita that's a strawberry beverage and maria's which is a restaurant around here that i despise they do a strawberry habanero margarita maybe it's supposed to be super spicy and and brie thinks it's delicious but i've never eaten there Ugh, this smells like dirty strawberry Oh, God, that is so funny how bad that is because Spindrift, the whole thing is that it's just, it's actual, the actual juice of the actual fruit. And this tastes so artificial. Oh, so I guess I must be doing something wrong in my mouth with the nerve endings between my brain and my mouth because that does not taste real to me. The reason I've never eaten at Maria's, but I still hate it is like, this one time me and Javi went in there. This is the only time I went in there. It's Mexican food. We go in. We sit down. They're super rude getting us a table. They're super weird and rude and unprofessional. And then they get us a table and we sit there for like 20 minutes and no one even brings us water. And then we start flagging people down like, hey, do we have a server? And they're just like, yeah, yeah I'll be right back. And then we wait like 10 more minutes and then five more minutes. And at the end... And in the middle there, someone brought us water and, and chips, chips and salsa. And at the end, we'd been there for like 45 minutes and they were refusing to take our order. Like it's one thing to make people wait a mega long time, but you have to take the order and then you can make them wait because then you have them hooked in. But you can't just not say hello. To, like no one said hello to us. And no one said hello to us for 45 minutes. So we just ate the entire bowl of chips and salsa and finished our waters and just stood up and left. After flagging down like five different people and being like, hey, no one has taken our order. We've been here for like 40 minutes. So fuck that place. Um, so I thought that it would be interesting if I talk through a thing here. Because there's this new girl that I've been seeing a little bit. And I'm having some experiences that are sort of... Um, 
<laughs> Rich, <laughs> I was just going to say, let's check if we're recording. And so now I realized that. So Rich was saying how that's apparently now that's the in-joke that I do that every episode. Let's check to see if we're even recording. Oh, looking good. Looking Gucci smoochy. So I've been seeing this new girl and and there's a couple of things about it that are teaching me. I'm learning a little bit from this experience and there's some things about gender and stuff that I'm sort of learning because there's a little bit of an inversion of gender expectation and roles and stuff. And and um, this is a little bit... I want to say these things without sounding so mean, but just... So the girl, is she's nice and she's smart and she's funny and she's pretty and, and, and she's a good person in those things, but then she she'll tell these stories... And the point of the stories are often just to give you a, a an idea of what type of person she is. Oh, that sounds so definitive, like I know what type of person she is. No, just to give you an idea of something about something, you know? She'll tell these stories, and the point of the story is like frequently that she's really exceptional and that she's really special. Like she'll tell you a story about like... I went to like Auschwitz and I went with this tour group to this concentration camp and I was like the only person who really understood what happened there and like I was the only person that like had a that really emotionally connected with the experience and I like started crying and the other people didn't start crying so they didn't get it like I was the only one who understood and it's like that's a dicey way to be talking for multiple reasons because like everyone processes their emotions differently. We don't know what's going on with someone in their heart based on what's going on on the outside, you know? Like these are things we should be a little bit aware of that you can't really make definitive statements like that about other people's emotional experiences and stuff. Or like, she, yeah, she talks a lot about breaking down at the concentration camp, but, but, um, then she's like, tells this other story of like, so I'm in Berlin and like, I'm with this tour group and there was like a thief that was following us around and no one else noticed him. And I had to like, get the tour group to go away from him. And, and he followed us for two blocks and then he like, turned away and, and no one else knew. And, and it's like, I'm like really perceptive like that. And it's like such a dicey story again, <laughs> where it's like, was he really a pick? Was he a thief or was he a person of color? Like, uh, dicey. Um, but the reoccurring theme with these stories is like the personal exceptionalism. Um, and then that sort of leads into it. it I, to me, the way I am choosing to understand this that perspective goes hand in hand with this other thing that I that I found really interesting about the experience, which is that I found myself a little bit fetishized in a way that I wasn't comfortable with. And the way it goes down is, dude, this is so interesting to me because it's, 
it's difficult to put your finger on why, what's wrong with it. She, she, in, in very concrete terms, the way I sort of experienced it was that she just like knew these couple of superficial things about me. And then she chose based on those superficial things to just like me and feel like we should be in a relationship. And then look, I only, I've only met this girl three times. And then there was the fourth time where she just showed up at my work. So I don't know this woman very well. So this is less about her and more just about how I experienced this and how I found it to be a little bit interesting. So there were, she made certain statements like that she liked that I was from Sweden and that I had like traveled and been to different places. And then that was the end of it. And then that was like, that's what she likes about me. And then she doesn't need to know anything else about me. And then we can just talk about her and how she's special. And it has a little bit of um, some of this, her being special thing. It has a little bit of, um, she's almost like a Michael Scott character in the office. <clears throat> you know, Michael Scott in the office is completely unaware of how he is perceived. Let's have another sip of strawberry spindrift. Real fruit tastes better. Mmm, four out of ten. So, I do want to put some caveats in there, because the way I started out this thing, talking about this thing, is very mean. And I don't mean it like that. And I think that there's a way to understand it where, like, there's a way to understand that, like, some people are super self-aware and go like this Bo Burnham path of being super self-deprecating -depre and commenting on everything that they themselves do constantly and never just doing anything in earnest. And that's also the wrong path. And then other people go, what I associate a little bit more with like being a nerd, like sometimes you interact with like a 13-year-old or 14-year-old computer nerd and they're just so unaware of themselves and they'll tell you this long story about a video game, like uh, what happened in their video game today. And it fascinates me how it's like, I can just sit there and listen to it and just be like, do you have, n like, and in my head, I'm just like marveling at how unaware of how boring it is they are. Like, I am so painfully self-aware that I can marvel at how this person is just completely, purely enjoying this thing so much that they will enjoy just retelling it with absolutely zero awareness of how anyone from the outside is experiencing the story they're telling because the story they're telling fucking sucks. <laughs> it's so funny just to have a podcast and just be like alone in a room and telling a story and ugh. But that's, and yeah, the implication being that what if my story sucks? But that's the thing I'm saying. Like, I'm like insufferably self-aware. And, you know, let's just breeze past that part. So the, I understand that there are these two extremes of how people can be in terms of self-awareness. And I just wanted to keep an open mind here, even though I found some of these stories that were lacking of self-awareness, I found them to be like overtly braggy in an, in a very, in a sort of unattractive way. 
And, um, you know, telling stories about like, this woman, this woman is a witch. Oh, can I talk about this? The th only reason I can talk about this is because she's so completely uninterested in anything about me. She doesn't even know that I have a podcast. So I can talk about this because she'll never hear it. But it still seem, feels mean because she is a nice person. But so let's just talk through another part of her. So she's a witch. She self-identifies as a witch. She's a Hellenist witch, which means that she believes in ancient Greek gods and goddesses. And her personal patron goddess is maybe, I want to say Artemis. I think it's Artemis. Because Artemis came to her once in a vision when she, when she was sitting in the backyard. Artemis came to her or something. I can't really remember. But <clears throat> Artemis came to her and she Google image searched a picture of me and was like, that's what she looked like in the vision. And, um, but then she also believes in like ancient Indian gods and she showed me these weird color charts of how colors correspond to her body. And she showed me this chart and I'm like, bro, this is a chart from fucking tra traditional Chinese medicine. Hold on. The blanket is falling down in the back here. All right. Sorry. Um, she's showing me this color chart and I'm like, this is a color chart from traditional Chinese medicine. So it's very unclear to me how these things connect like you're a Hellenist, but you also believe in, you know, how the flow of your chi from your foot is connected to your liver and that's purple. So it's borrowing heavily from all over the world. But again, I'm saying this with this incredible judginess, but I don't mean that because I do want to, God damn it. I'm so bad at this. I'm so bad at picking an opinion. I want to have an open mind and stuff because I am on the hunt for a higher power, you know? Like, I, Joachim, Jojo, Joachim, am a bone-dry, just through-and-through through atheist. I believe in molecules and the size and arrangement and velocity of molecules and nothing else, you know? And that's how I've always been. And for a long time, I... I accidentally had that as a religion until I very late, late, much later in life, after decades, like my teens and my twenties, I was very militant, very combative about atheism. And then somewhere along the line, I realized that when you turn atheism into something that's full of like what you should do, like because you're an atheist, you should argue with Christians. Then you're really just allowing Christianity and all these religions to to frame everything of how it should be framed, you're really choosing to just hold atheism up to, to turn it into an ism and you hold it up to, next to the other isms. It's funny because Christianity doesn't end with ism, so that didn't come together so well, but but you know what I'm saying. So, um, yeah. So I've, I'm, I'm really, I really... Yeah, you know, atheism never never made me very happy, is the point, you know? I mean, I just believe that that's how the universe is, and I don't think that that really contains any lessons for us.
the fact that the universe is all molecules and shit and that there are no that I, that spirituality it doesn't come very easy to me <sighs> but the point is that it didn't make me happy and also it didn't keep me sober you know believing in the in like a cold hard colorless universe never kept me sober so now i'm out here seeing if there's something i can believe in you know and i'm going through the steps and everything and I'm talking to this girl and she's telling me about her, this hellenism and honestly i'd never even heard of the hellenists before which is like i don't know the judgy part of me wants to be like, that's probably why she picked it, because she wants to be special and no one has ever heard of it before. And she's telling me how Artemis showed her all of her past lives, and in her past lives she was like a celebrity on the Titanic, and she was like an oracle in, you know, ancient Greece, and she had all these very important past lives and stuff. And maybe she did, you know? Maybe she did. The only thing I believe in is humility these days. And I don't know that I'm right about anything. So maybe she was an oracle 2,000 years ago in a past life. But so... I want to come back to the fetishization because that's the part that I feel like I understood better this time around. Because it's it's actually happened to me before. I In Seattle, I was... I was dating this girl for a little bit and she was... She just has this this thing for Scandinavian dudes. And she was poly. She was part of the polyamory, the polygamy culture. And she, we were dating and she had a boyfriend. <clears throat> she had a main boyfriend. And she kind of taught me all the language. The language, I don't really remember the language so much, but there was a lot of language. Because you had your different roles and connections to each other. Like, that, that sort of... Um, matrix of people and how they're connected they are it's called a polycule all the people and how they're connected because it's like molecule but it's poly it's a cute term and then in the polycule some people are fluid bonded oh god can't believe i'm talking about this it's so gross but the, some people are fluid bonded and the people who are fluid bonded are the people who have unprotected sex with each other so I guess you should keep like the center of the polycule and keep it to just a couple of people and those people can be fluid bonded. And then if you want to have sex with other people outside there, outside of the fluid bonded center of the polycule, then you got to use protection. Okay. So she has a boyfriend and those are like the main two people in the polycule. And then he has other girls, other girlfriends. And there are like, those are like his sister wives. And then she dates other guys. And then those are like, and since I'm dating her too, it's like, those are my brother husbands. <laughs> I don't think that's, the, that's not the term, but that's more from the show, um, from the show Sister Wives. Yeah. There was a show, there was a reality TV show that I was actually super into that I have mentioned on the podcast before, I believe, called Sister Wives. And it was just a guy in fucking Salt Lake City or Vegas or something. And he had a bunch of wives and he was a Mormon and he kept it old school. And it was just fascinating. And all of his wives were friends and they were sister wives. And that's a little bit what it's like in the polycule because this girl I was dating, she was really good friends with the other girlfriends of, the, of her boyfriend. And they would go shopping together and they would hang out. And then it's easy to look at that and have a little bit of, um, what's the word? Prejudice. 
to look at that and be like, that's not how humans are meant to live. That doesn't work. You can't maintain, there, you can't attain stability in a polycule. Um, and then in the end, it turned out that, or that's the prejudice that I approached it with. But I'd, I wasn't super committed to like the workings or not workings of the polycule because I was just sort of like dating this girl and I thought she was super cool and I was super into her. In a, in a, on a on a on a level that was appropriate, not so into her that I was super jealous. I was just along for the ride, and I thought it was, I thought it was great. And um, <laughs> so, the, my prejudices turned out that they were true, though, because like in the end, the, the, her boyfriend and the center of the polycule, like he was just some sort of raging alcoholic, and and it was like just sort of had all these break mental breakdowns and the whole thing i think is like people end up there because they have these terrible monogamous relationships and then they instead of figuring out how to fix monogamy they they end up in these polycules and they it can last for a period of time but but it just sort of it's very explosive i feel like you know you get 10 people that are all dating <laughs> and it's like and it's like do you don't think there's going to be trouble because there's trouble but um, the point of it, though, is that her boyfriend was Norwegian. <laughs> her boyfriend was actually like a Norwegian techno artist. And his name, and you can find him on Spotify, is Binar Pilut. <laughs> Which is such a fucking stupid name. Oh, God. It's just more of the fucking same. Just like how Ingrid used to be so fucking into Slaxmålsklubben that made video game sounding nonsense music back in the day which was pretty cute just like weird childish techno anyway the point is that all of her boys were Norwe were Scandinavian in some way and she just had this type where she just liked these sort of like slender half effeminate bad posture pasty white dudes from Scandinavia so she had a little collection of them in a polycule and that was a form of fetishization is something I would say at the time, because it was. And it was something that in, in the process of the whole thing didn't offend me because I'm realizing now the difference here. I'm realizing that the difference is that <clears throat> for, in that sense, in that situation, it was like an on-ramp. The fetishization was an on-ramp where it started with the fetishization and the fact that I was like a slender, bad posture, pasty, white dude from Sweden. <laughs> and then beyond that, we like got to know each other and found so many things about each other that we got really infatuated about. And I mean, there were, I just, there were so many things about her that I found so cool and, and we just like got really into each other for other stuff beyond that. And now as I'm thinking about what I was into her about, some of those things are super superficial. And that's similar, you know? Because it's very superficial to be into me because I'm from Sweden. You know what I'm saying? But like I was into one of something that I just thought was so fucking cool about her was that she like had lived in Hollywood and she'd been like a personal assistant to all these celebrities. And she was like the personal assistant to like who 
Dustin Hoffman or something. And then Jonah Hill, I don't know if it was Dustin Hoffman, I can't remember, but Jonah Hill started dating the, the daughter of her client, the person she worked for. So she met Jonah Hill a bunch when, when, um, Jonah Hill was dating this, the daughter of whatever celebrity was. But, and at the time, and still, I'm super obsessed with the Netflix television show Maniac. It's this limited series show set in this super surreal future where everything is kind of broken, but really like cool. And like, there's just like, America has all these like, weird Japanese companies and there's all these old looking funny 1980s style computers that control everything. And it's like this incredibly beautiful retro futurist world backdrop. And then the thing that happens in the foreground is this incredibly beautiful emotional story where Jonah Hill is really depressed. <laughs> and it's like an incredible depiction of being depressed. I must have talked about this show before because I love it. But Jonah Hill is super depressed in the show, and he he's like the kid in this rich family, and the rest of his family is like super happy, but he just cannot make it work. He cannot make life work, and he's just depressed. Like, his dad is rich, he should be fine, everything should be good, but he's just fucking depressed, and he lives alone in the world's smallest apartment, and he just sits there, and he just <laughs> stares at the wall, and it's bad, and he's depressed. And then this girl has met Jonah Hill a bunch, and... I'm saying Jonah Hill's character in the show was depressed. And then this girl I'm dating has spent all this time with Jonah Hill. And she tells me that Jonah Hill in reality is a little bit like his character in that show. <laughs> and that just got me going, dude. That got me going. Because that's what you want, you know? When you find a movie or a television show or something where this fictional character really reaches out and touches your heart, you want to find out that that was barely even fiction. I don't know. That's what you want to find out. You don't want to see an interview with them later where they're the opposite. You just don't. I don't. At least I don't. But anyway, so that's a kind of a super fit. Like, to, for me to think that she's cool because she spent time with Jonah Hill is an extremely superficial thing. For me to think is cool. But but then, you know, she was cool and she was fucking hilarious, dude. She was like a little bit goth and stuff. Like, who doesn't like a little bit of goth? Anyway. So there, I, I was fetishized as fuck. And it was like, she had this thing where she only dated Scandinavian dudes. And, and then we got to know each other beyond that. And it was just like, it just like blossomed into this kind of rich exchange where then we sort of like fell out of touch First we dated when she was in the polycule and then we sort of like fell off a little bit and just like faded away from each other. And then we sort of reconnected nine months later and it appeared apparently her polycule had imploded and there was no relationships left there and she was just single. And, and then we had a little bit of another romance and it was like a little bit different that time. And it was a little bit sadder. Because it was more clear that it wasn't going to be like, that we weren't going to spend the rest of our lives together. But we like knew each other pretty well at that point. So it's like very intimate. So it's like that sad, intimate thing where you know it's not it, but you, it's nice. It's nice. It's, it's nice and beautiful, but sad. Yeah. So then, 
then this relationship I'm, or like these dates I've been going on now, whew, again, I want to emphasize that it's like, oh, it's actually not very many dates. It's only like one time we met and we spent a couple of hours in a bar, three hours. And then one time was a big date where I went to her house and we had a meal. We kind of hooked up and I spent the night and I left in the morning and it was like, that was like a real date, like a full, like 12 hour thing. And then the next time we spent two hours together in a park and that was it. And then after that, she showed up at my work sort of unannounced, not actually unannounced because she actually was like asking me if she could show up at my work. And I was like, Ooh, that'll make me very nervous. And I would prefer if that didn't happen. And then she did anyway. So that's how much time we've spent together. But the point, the point is that like the way I experienced it with her was that she just decided that she knew these superficial things about me. And then she was good. She didn't need to know anything else about me. She knew that I was in Sweden and she thought that was cool. So it's like, all right, date two. She's like, you believe in monogamy? And I'm like, yeah, I believe in monogamy. And then she's like, all right, good. And then it's like this ambiguous exchange where it's like, wait, did I just become your boyfriend? Or did we have a theoretical conversation just now? And it's like, we never, I never followed up. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, and it made me feel all these feelings that, or it made me want to say these things that really, where there starts to be a little bit of a gender inversion. Because if she's sort of this Michael Scott type character that just likes someone for some superficial reasons, then I am some sort of, I don't know, some sort of girl that no one really gets to know. And it made me want to say things where I sound like a character like that. It made me want to sound like, do you, like, it made me want to scream at her and be like, do you even know anything about me? And it made me want to, like, pop quiz her. Because, like, she, we just talk about her, you know? Like, we talk about her daddy issues and, like, her dad passed away and there's all this stuff, you know? And, and then we didn't talk about any of my daddy issues. <clears throat> and it made me want to be like, like, do you know that I, like, I don't know. Oh, it's so embarrassing to say, but it made me want to be like, do you even know that I'm like publishing a novel this month and then I'm like spent the last 10 years working on this novel and that it's like, do you know what my novel is about? Because she has no idea that I've written the novel. And like, like, do you know that I have a podcast? Ugh, which no one does, luckily, which is why I can speak so openly on the podcast. <sighs> I don't know, man. It's... The point of this isn't that she sucks and she's a nice person and someone else that will hear what she's saying, diff someone else will hear her words differently and connect with her and it'll be good. But the way I experienced it in this go around, we weren't that compatible is all I'm saying. I, none of, as much as all of the first, how much, what are, okay, we're at 30 minutes, which is why I was gonna, what I was going to guess. If I was just guessing, I was going to say we're 30 minutes in now and I've only said a bunch of shitty things about her. And I don't mean that because what I really am saying is that we're too different and we're not compatible and that's it. And what was I saying? Like, what was the point of that? The point of it is just how I felt. 
None of this is an indictment of her. And I've been thinking about this because of, like, for example, there was this tiny interaction at the restaurant where we hired this one girl who is very pretty. And she has a lot of Instagram followers and she's blonde and she has a very skinny waist. And this, I didn't think this thought because I don't, I'm very good at compartmentalizing and thinking of my coworkers in an extremely professional way. But one of my other coworkers, this young girl was talking shit about her and she was like saying that she had fake tits. So there's this woman working there and she's pretty and she has fake tits and whatever. And so this woman gets hit on a lot. And then there was an interaction where one of the, someone sitting at the bar calls her over. She's not even the server for this person. This person is sitting up at the bar being served by the bartender. But this man, middle-aged man calls over this fucking 22 year old girl who looks like, I don't, I'm not saying anything mean about anyone here, except the middle-aged man at the bar. I'll say mean things about him. But the point is that he calls over this girl and, and he says to her, your butt looks great in those pants. That's what he says to her. And she doesn't like that. She's 22. He's 45. He's, he is there with a date, like his wife or whatever. And it's sleazy or whatever whatever word you want to use. So she walks back to the back of the restaurant where I'm chilling with this other dude. And she walks up to the two of us and she retells this thing that happened. And I'm like, I mean, now it's like <laughs> Dr. Luke hates it that I, that the podcast has like this social justice warrior liberal angle, which I don't think it does. I don't know. You can't win with these people. All my friends on the right thinks this is such a such a wimpy liberal podcast. And then I remember when I was dating that one girl in Seattle, the girl who was a teacher whose name I should not mention because it didn't end well. But she wouldn't promote my podcast because she thought I was too transphobic on the podcast. It's like, bro, maybe I'm just a straight shooter, respected on both, respected on neither side of the aisle. Maybe I'm just straight down the middle, slash, maybe I'm true center left. But what I said to her in the moment was, I said, that's super shitty that the old man said that to you. Like, that's super creepy and that's super shitty. And I'm sorry that happened to you. And then she like walked off and I wanted to keep going and be like, because I do believe that like, there is a line and just because someone is a guest, it's not like there isn't a line. It's not like they can say or do whatever. And it's like, if I want to, I, and I, and we have so many like young, hot girls working in this restaurant that I do sort of want to like establish this in all of their minds that like, if something is like too creepy, they should say something to like management or like someone like me or whatever. And we'll like go over there and we'll tell that person to leave because it's like, you don't need to be that uncomfortable. Like you're in, you're at work and like, just because they're a guest, they don't have a right to say whatever. But so if you said that one thing, maybe that isn't enough to get them thrown out. But I mean, if she was super uncomfortable with it, maybe we should have thrown them out. Who knows? Um, and, 
And because I say things like that is why Dr. Luke thinks I'm an insufferable liberal. But but those are, <laughs> and he thinks those are not my real opinions. He thinks I'm just pretending to have those opinions because I'm going to appease some sort of like, <laughs> some sort of like leftist mob audience of this podcast. But really, oh, really, there's only, there's only four dudes and four dudes listening to this and none of them are liberals. But, um, nah, that's not true. Rich is a, Rich is a communist. But, um, what was I saying? Yeah. So the, the thing about it was the girl gets told this creepy comment by a guy, by a, by a middle-aged guest and then walks back to the back of the restaurant and, and tells me and my coworker, my, this other dude, what he said and that she thought it was creepy. And then she walks off and then the guy looks at me and he's like, well, it was a compliment. Like, I don't understand why she thinks it's so fucking bad. It was a compliment. Like, I don't understand why these fucking women are so fucking sensitive about everything. It's like, that's a positive thing. Like, he gave you a compliment. And in the moment, here's why it stuck with me and why I've been thinking about it. In the moment, I didn't know how to explain. I didn't know what to respond to that because I didn't exactly know how to explain why it's wrong to say those things. Like why some compliments are bad compliments. I have some amorphous ideas about it. Like on the one hand, on the face of it, anyone can agree that like if you say something and it makes the hearer of it super uncomfortable, then that's just like plainly taken at face value makes it a bad thing to say. You shouldn't say it. And that's like pretty simple. And like everyone right and left politically can sort of accept that and that's why we probably have fewer creepy comments now than in the 1950s you feel me because like we just accept this thing but then there's this begrudging thing of like so why does it make them uncomfortable and that's that's the conversation where it gets a little bit more interesting and where i i it's a little bit harder to look at this massive burn on my arm i burned my arm trying to light a bunch of candles um so one thing that I've been thinking for a couple of years about it is like, it's something about, we like to be complimented on things that was a choice. In the context of a woman and this stuff, you know, like a woman who has like nice earrings that she chose for herself, she probably likes to be complimented on those earrings. Because it's like a choice she made. But if you like tell her that she has like a nice face, then that's just, it's not a choice. And for some reason, that's, that's the difference. I don't know. I would love for this to be like a dialogue. I would love to have a person here next to me who could like explain it to me because it's very... It's not totally clear to me what the answer is, but it's something about like we think of our identities and the stuff in our identities that we want to be complimented on as the stuff that where we have this choice. And then all these things that are innate traits, like the fact that I happen to be born in Sweden or the fact that the girl's face looks like that, like to be complimented on that and to have a person truly express a compliment. It's almost like the compliment is going past you 
That's the feeling. Because it's like, if someone compliments the fact that I was born in Sweden, it's almost like that doesn't go to me. That just travels next to me and goes past me and arrives and like it's a compliment given at something else something that doesn't feel like it's part of part of the me that i feel like i am even though like yeah it's weird it's weird to explain because it's like it's part it's not that it's not part of my identity like these innate traits are definitely part of our identities But yeah, so I had this experience in the restaurant where the girl is complaining that the guy said something creepy and then she walks off and then the male coworker looks at me and he's like, well, I think she's just being a drama queen and I think it was a compliment and she should take it as a compliment and be happy. And I disagree with him, but I don't know how to explain it to him. And then a few weeks later, I have this experience dating this girl where she likes me for being from Sweden and she likes me because, because she'll say things like she likes that I've traveled and, and seen things. And then that's the end of the conversation. And then she doesn't need to like know anything that I fucking figured out because I went to different places. She's not interested in all my amazing podcast style rants. She just, oh, I suck so bad, dude. I'm going to die alone. I'm going to die alone because no one wants to hear this shit. But <laughs> it's like, fuck. It's like. Do I just hate her because she's not she's not subscribing to my podcast? Is this the whole thing? Is that the whole thing? So um Yeah. She finds out these superficial traits, inner in, in innate innate traits, is that what I was calling it? She finds out these just things about me that I didn't choose. And then she she feels good about those traits, those facts about me. And then that's it. And that's not an on-ramp to a highway of of being more interested in me. It's more like a dead end. She's good. Like, she's satisfied. We can talk about her now. And then we talk about her at length. And we talk about her at length. And I expressed some of these things to her recently and and her response was sort of like, yeah, we don't know each other very well, but that doesn't sit right with me to say it like that because I think I know a lot about her. She'll leave me like 20 voice messages, 20 long voice messages talking about her mental health situation and and, <clears throat> and that's how you get to know someone you know that's one of the ways mental health situations you know what's your struggle how does your struggle work what can we do with your struggle i don't know let's do a water i gotta think about it a little bit more so here we're doing one more of these revive 5 billion live probiotics, strawberry lemon. This is probably going to be good because it's got that acidity from the, the probiotic is the last one. The last revive was just real sour and had a little bit of peach or something. Sour and strawberry can be really good. Oh yeah. That's exactly what I was looking for. Oh yeah. Kombucha culture. 
It doesn't actually say kombucha anywhere on it, except in the ingredients it lists kombucha culture. So it's a scoby. And then they throw apple cider vinegar and strawberry puree and stuff. Oh, revive. This is real good. Mmm. Way better than the other revive. Yeah, that's a 9 out of 10. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was fetishized in two different ways, and I felt two different ways about it. And, and um, there's something about it where I, um, yeah. feels dirty because on some level I want the person who's into me to like be obsessed with me to want to listen to me like talk about a bunch of stupid shit and that feels guilty and dirty because it's like like is that just an unhealthy narcissist thing or is that how you fall in love with someone like I don't know I don't know. It's tricky. I took this break in dating because I read all those, like in episode 51, the first video episode, I talked about this thing that might maybe in the literature is called romance addiction. And, and I, after I, excuse me, massive revive burp. After that episode and stuff, after sort of, having a couple of realizations and reading two, three books about that, you know, addiction problem that can happen with infatuation and stuff. I took a break from dating. I just decided to be alone and just read those books and just sit with myself and just be like, because one of the big things in my life is like that. I am sort of like always unhappy and I always forget that I'm always unhappy and I always look at my current situation and I always trick myself into believing that it's because of some specific circumstance in my current situation that I'm kind of unhappy right now and then then you can talk yourself out of any kind of situation and then you can end up being like okay so let's not live in Sweden let's move to China and then oh I don't like it I'm unhappy here too so you move back to Sweden oh I'm unhappy here too so you move back to China and then did I move? And then you move back to Sweden again. Yep. And then you're happy to again. So you move back to Sweden again. And no, you move to China again. And then you move to different cities in China. And then in China, you're like, after 10 years in China, you're unhappy and you're married to an American woman. And she's like, do you want to move to America? And you're like, well, I'm unhappy here in China. So I better move to America. And then you live in Seattle and you're unhappy. So you're like, Let's move to California. It's, I'm probably unhappy because I'm living in Seattle. And then you, you do it with that moving, and then you also do it with relationships where you're like, you're in a relationship and you're like unhappy. So you're like, oh, it must be because of the relationship. God, this is way too honest. This stuff I'm saying right now is way too honest. And it's like a very, it's a very, very, very bad thing in how I have lived my life. But it's probably true. That it's like in relationships too. It's like, 
I'm unhappy when I'm single, and then I'm like in a relationship, and I'm I'm like I'm unhappy in this relationship, so I end the relationship because I'm unhappy. Never realizing that it was never the circumstances that made me unhappy. It was just like the me stuff, you know? Stuff that I needed to like work on with myself. Ugh. Shit on a fuck. That sucks, dude. And that's how you end up living in like all these different places. And that's also how you end up. It's also my... My theory is that that's also the most logical explanation for this other thing. Like, me and Javi were talking about this. It happens to be true for Javi, too. But, like, I'm 35. And since I was 17, I've never been dumped. And that's not... I don't think that's because I'm so fucking great that the girls don't want to break up with me. I think it's just because I had this runaway thing, you know? Or I just, like, I'm always unhappy, so I always figure out a way to, you know? It's like that, it's like that Kanye line where he goes, really good at finding what's, finding what's wrong with you. That was a, that was a paraphrase because I can't actually remember how the line goes, but it's something like that. It's from the song Runaway. Um, yeah, so... So, yeah. There's that, you know. I can't remember how I got in on... Got onto that thing, but... <clears throat> oh, yeah. So I took... Um, so I took a break from dating after episode 50. After reading those books... Um, and after realizing certain addictive structures and cycles and how I, um, maybe approach like relationships and stuff. And, and so I was, I spent the, maybe, I don't know, two and a half months, three months, just like not going on dates and not trying to go on dates and not doing anything and, and just seeing you know, how I feel and how I can feel and stuff. And it's, it's all right. And I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good when I do a lot of things for myself. I don't know. I think I'm really lucky with this, this job I have. I love this job, dude. This job is fucking awesome. I like, I worked at all these different restaurants, but I just randomly ended up at one now. That's just so fucking fun. This is hilarious, dude. So maybe that's why I'm happy. Or maybe I'm happy because I'm doing the steps and I have a great AA sponsor and I go to a lot of meetings. And I'm doing the steps in this really intense way and I'm I'm really... Doing the steps is really a sort of humbling, self-annihilating, ego-annihilating experience. And that's probably one of the keys for people like me. Yeah, I'll probably talk about that at length at some point. I'm on step four, you know. I'll probably, when I get to step 12, I'll probably talk through what the whole experience was like. But, yeah. 
but so yeah this was the first this was the closest i came to some dates i started going on some dates again after that hiatus and and this and then i get to this and it's i don't know how it fits into my i don't think it was an addiction thing i think i stayed clear of of acting out addictive behavior in this sort of romantic encounter here. Maybe we should drink another water. So this is Greenwise. I don't, I think this is the in-store brand for some grocery store. I can't for the life of me remember which one. Whole Foods. Target. I don't know. Greenwise, strawberry-flavored sparkling water with other natural flavors. Sodium-free, calorie-free, flavorfully. Oh, it's sugar-free. 7% juice. 7% added sugar. Let's try it. It's got an ugly... Oh, my God, that smells like... Immediately smells like some cake yeast. Yeasty is always bad. Yeah, okay. That's actually extremely predictable in the sense that, like, if LaCroix made a strict, straight, strawberry-flavored sparkling water, this is what it would taste like. This is just, like, very bubbly, a little bit boring, a little bit artificial, only a little bit of flavor, strawberry. So that is something we can drink, but... Yeah, that's not a whole lot of fun. I do have an anti-strawberry bias. That's a 7 out of 10. <clears throat> but yeah, shit is good. We had a funny... The whole thing... The whole weekend at Holbrook was hilarious because it's... um. Holbrook Hotel is like this old haunted hotel and this weekend was Halloween. So a lot of... Like it was just packed with people dressed up and people really thought of Holbrook for Halloween and showed up and did a fucking lots of weird shit happened and like there was this one thing that I was I don't know how to explain this but it's like we got a dining room indoor and we have a patio outdoor with a good 10 tables out there and and in the evening we got some some heaters out there so you can still sit in the evening even though it's getting kind of chilly in there November and so forth. So one of these nights, like the night before Halloween, I'm 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 serving those tables out there on the patio and and all of a sudden it's like Actually I was serving all the tables in the whole restaurant. I think I was the only person there. I think it was a little bit later in the evening, maybe. Um all of a sudden there's like all these old people kind of walking around and um it was very unclear what the fuck was going on. It was as if someone had taken one of those tour buses for the tourists that they just park somewhere. And then all these tourists just like swell out like a, the swell of the sea, but tourists. And they just sort of like go all in all the little cracks and they just go everywhere and fill up the whole space. It was like that. 20 people were wandering around on my patio all of a sudden and they were all very old and they were all dressed up and hobbling around super old super like joe biden-y and they were all dressed up 
Halloweeny, like different kind of spooky characters, like a, a sort of miscellaneous um, Adams family type theme of costumes, right? So, so I got these twenty old people just wandering around on the patio here, and I'm like super confused about what they're doing, and I'm I'm like, are they showing up for some sort of event that I haven't heard about or something? Because we have a lot of events at the hotel. And then they, they have like canes and walkers and they're hobbling and they spread out. And then suddenly one of these walkers, which is like a weird fabric colored box with like blankets over them that this one lady is like using to, to get by. Suddenly it just sort of like opens up and it's a massive speaker and it starts play, playing techno music. And it starts playing very, very loud techno. Like it's a powerful speaker. And it's deafening techno, spooky deafening techno. And the 20 old people break out into dance. And it's a flash mob. And it's a synchronized dance with all these, like, they're spinning around and they're doing, they're doing the full motions available to them as 80-year-olds which is limited, but they have something, you know. I was talking to my grandmother today, and she was like, so what do you think about Joe Biden, my grandmother back in Sweden? And I'm like, yeah, he's he's good. He's a little bit old, you know, but he's surrounded by some, some decent people, and the problem in America is usually that they just can't get anything done because they have too many checks and balances, and there's too many ways to stop everything, so nothing ever happens, blah, blah, blah. But mostly he's just, like, so freaking old. And he clearly can't really talk properly. And he's old. And then my grandmother's like, yeah, yeah, he's real old. But he tries to compensate by always when he has an event. This is my grandmother's observation. And it's a good observation. Always when there's an event, when he's going to go up to the podium to speak, he always like runs up to the podium to like show everyone that he can sort of like do a half run. Because everyone's like, oh, he's like dying. But no, 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 no. He's going to show you. He can do a little half run. So I've seen him do that half run so many times. He always half runs up to the podium. So you got these old people that could do a little half run for just like 30 feet up to a podium. And then now they've done this dance. And, and it's, a, it's a full four-minute techno song. And they dance this strange dance for the whole four minutes. And they're all over my patio, everywhere. And I have people that like want to pay and they want to leave. And the kitchen like produces fucking food that I have to bring over to these tables. And there's old people everywhere. And I have to like go between these dancing motherfucking old people with these plates of soup and stuff. And it's like, motherfucker, get out of my patio. <laughs> but whatever, you know. In the end... Everyone loves Halloween, and these Americans love Halloween, dude. They love Halloween. So I'm like, let them just do it, and I'm sure these guests, at the end of the day, think, believe, like, I'm sure people think this added something to their experience. So I was okay with it. And then when they finish up, after the full four or five minute song is over, I have to like attend to all these tables because they've all now been super neglected and they've just been sitting there and they all need shit. So then I'm out there, I'm stuck out there. and But I can hear from the indoor section, all the old people go into the restaurant and I can hear that they're 
dragging tables around in there. So I'm like, oh my God, they're dragging all the tables together and they're going to sit down and now I'm going to have a 20 top of old people that I have to serve. And this is going to be draining. I find it a little bit draining when people try to be too funny. Like, like serving people in costume and stuff and you have to like pretend to be amused by their costume. I don't know. That makes me sound like a misanthrope. But I maybe I am, you know? Like I'm an introvert, dude. In the end, I'm an introvert. Like I'm sitting here alone in the attic, you know? Of course I'm an introvert. Are we recording? Oh my God, we are. Perfect. Um, so in the back of my mind, I'm not happy that I, even though a 20 top means I'm going to make more money. It's like, I'm not happy to hear them dragging all these tables around. But so then when I finish up checking in with everyone outside and, you know, getting these steaks delivered, I, um, step inside and I realize that they haven't pushed the tables together to sit down at a big table. They have instead just rearranged the dining room to create this enormous dance floor in the middle. And then it happens. And once more, they press play. And once more, they break in, they break out into dance. And they do the entire thing again. And it's like, oh. So now... I can't go in my dining room for five minutes. And I just, this time, I was like, I'm tired of this kitchen producing food and then yelling at me that I don't deliver the food because they don't understand that I can't get to my tables because there's 20 old people in the way. So this time, I just go in the kitchen and I just tell chef, like, hey, chef, you're never going to see this again. So you probably want to go out in this dining room and just stop cooking for a minute. Everyone just go in the dining room and look at this absolute nonsense that's going on out here. So um, they do it again. And, and it, it was funny because like I'd had this two top of like maybe like Mexican dudes, like handsome 25-year-old well-dressed Mexican dudes who were wanted to party. And they were like, is Halloween tonight? Because it was a Saturday and Halloween was on a Sunday. So they were like, Halloween's going to be on the Saturday, right? Because people party on Saturdays. But there was nothing going on on the Saturday. So they were a little bit disappointed that they had like blocked off the Saturday to party. And I had to be like, well, you know, Halloween is tomorrow and it's Sunday. And, and I know maybe you have to wake up and go to work on Monday. But they were disappointed. And they wanted to have a Halloween experience. And now what they really wanted to have is like they wanted to hook up with some sexy nurses. You know, they wanted to hook up with some sexy zombies for sure. That's what they wanted. That was the vibe I was getting. But they were good guys, you know. You know, they ordered all these apps and they ordered all these steaks for themselves and they got bottles of wine, clack, 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 got this expensive big check. And then at the end, they're like not American, so they tip like fucking terrible. But whatever. The point is that they were so fucking happy that they got to have a Halloween experience because the crazy geriatric old people came in and danced. And, um, yeah, and then the next day on Halloween, we had a burlesque dance show in the in the speakeasy cocktail lounge in the basement, and apparently it didn't go so well, and the burlesque dancers who were going to show their boobs, they uh, called in sick, and only one of the four dancers showed up, and, and we had a little bit of a mismatch with the audience and the communication about the event, and 
people thought it was like a burlesque 1920s great gatsby dress-up party so all these like old ladies showed up wanted to have like nice cocktails and dress up with feather boas and stuff and then there were like titties and these old ladies came up to me and were like we don't we didn't we didn't we didn't know there were gonna be titties that's not what they said what this lady said to me this old lady walked up to me and was like this is a little bit too hot for me this is too hot for me that's that's the word she used that's interesting. That's an interesting choice of words. Choice of word, old lady. But I respect it. I respect it. What else is going on? You know, there's this one thing. Oh, maybe I'm... Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at episode length. Like, this is how long I want the episode to be. But this is one thing I've been thinking about recently that's like, because I'm a recent driver and everything. And <laughs> as lame as it is, like these last 10 episodes or whatever that I've done, I talk about driving way too much, but but it does fascinate me in a lot of ways. And it, it fascinates me how good people are at it. And it fascinates me that we don't have more accidents. And it fascinates me that this like shit that happens on highways where you have a two lane highway and there's an exit and an end and a on ramp and, and people have to like get on the highway and get off the highway at the almost the exact same spot. And they have to like just barely miss each other, like two ships passing in the night, not crashing into each other. And that people can do all of this, changing lanes and at these great velocities. It's so fascinating to me. And it's such a... I promise you that when they first invented the first cars, they just did not know that the human brain had this capacity because I think we're learning that the human brain has this incredible capacity to be malleable and flexible, like just neuroplasticity. Like you, if you put us in a VR world and you give us a new body shape and you give us eight arms in this new virtual reality world, and you connect a brain to the virtual reality world somehow, I promise you that our brains will pretty quickly just, we'll just learn what it would feel like to have eight arms and we'll just wander around in a VR world and move our eight arms perfectly. And it'll be fascinating. And a car is a little bit like that. It's an extension of your body and it's, and you just really, in a very fluid way, it becomes part of you and you just move in this very fluid like you become very good at driving, but it's also, you become very good at it because driving is a little bit like a video game, but it's a, it's like when you have a video game, normally you play it for maybe a hundred hours, like a good video game, you know, like a serious video game, like Mario Kart or Grand Theft Auto five or something. <clears throat> you play it for a hundred hours and 50 hours in, you're very good at it. You know exactly how to control your character. And this is the second half, the latter 50 hours. You're very good at it already, even after only 50 hours. So driving a car, it's like a video game, but you never, like, cause after those hundred hours with Grand Theft Auto, you stop playing it. Like you don't, you don't keep playing Grand Theft Auto forever, but with driving a car, it's like a video game where you never stop playing that video game. So if you were to just look at the highway and if you could just look in each car and each driver, and if you magically could just know how many hours have they been driving a car, dude, people have been driving cars for 
thousands of hours probably. So it's like, no wonder they're so good, but it's like, yeah. It just fascinates me because it's such a weird thing that you don't realize when you don't drive. That's all I'm saying. These are just the boring thoughts of someone who didn't drive forever and never realized these things. Never realized how easy it is to drive. But also, I maybe I have, wonder how many hours I've been driving. Maybe 250? And everyone else has been doing thousands? So I'm still, I still get scared. And there are parts, there are things, situations um, that are just tricky. Like parts of the highway where there's no shoulder and like the the cement wall is just right next to you and you're driving like one foot from a cement wall and you can't, if you accidentally slide over to the left, you're smashing into a wall and no one ever smashes into the wall. I mean, there are a lot of accidents happen, especially in America, because in America, there's no public transportation. So not only are people very good at driving, they're also very good at drunk driving. And that's the truth. Everyone drunk drives. Big culture difference between Sweden and America. Drunk driving. I remember like my dad. This is more bad stuff that I shouldn't talk about. But like my dad did a little bit of drunk driving and got caught. And I think he like smashed into a fucking brick wall. Because he was like wasted at 1 a.m. Trying to go get cigarettes. And nothing is even open. And he's like too wasted to even realize that there's nowhere to go to get cigarettes. And he just fucking drives a car into a wall. And so he's arrested and everything. And, and in Sweden, we don't fuck around. Like in America, you have like so many, like it's if it's your fourth time, you go to prison. I know this because I go to AA meetings all the time. And a lot of the people in the AA meetings are court ordered to be there. And they have to be there instead of going to prison. And they all tell their story of like how they get three or four DUIs and they don't go to prison. And in Sweden, it's like, I think my dad only had that one. And then he got house arrest. Not only did he like lose his license, he like he had to wear the ankle bracelet and he got house arrest and everything. And it's like, we don't fuck around. But it's also culturally, it's different where it's like in Sweden, culturally, I feel like it's, you know, some crimes are like cool and sometimes are, some crimes are not cool. You know, like rape is not cool anywhere I've been. Maybe in China, there's a context where bros can be so broy that they can even brag about rape and rape can be cool. Maybe that exists. I've never experienced that firsthand, but I think that probably exists. But in America, it's like no one is fucking bragging about raping someone, but but no one is ever telling a funny story about like accidentally raping someone, but they do tell funny stories about like DUIing, like getting, or just like driving super drunk, you know? And it is something that can be in a funny story. Whereas in Sweden, I don't know. My impression of it is that you, that's not like no one admits to that. No one admits to that. People don't do it. People do, you know, you get drunk and you get on a bicycle. I guess part of it is a fundamental thing of how society is set up where people just don't have an option here. 
Like I remember two weeks ago, me and Javi were at Burger and Cream and we um, bump into some friend of Javi's and he was telling us how he was drinking out in Nevada City and he parked his car down by the river and, and um, the parking lot by the river and he's drinking. So he took a taxi home because he didn't want to drive drunk home. And then his fucking car was stolen. And his car is a Toyota Tacoma. And we're me and Javier are listening to this story and we're both looking out in the parking lot where both of our Toyota Tacomas are parked. And we're like, it hits close to home, you know? So that was a man who was trying to do the right thing and not drive drunk and his car got stolen. He comes back the next morning and his car is gone. And um, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't, I mean, yeah. So don't leave your car anywhere either. Anyway, that's kind of a boring story, but that's how it goes. <laughs> oh, God. I can't tell if they were all boring stories today, but, but I think that's an episode. I think that's an episode, y'all. As always, I really, really do love you, and, and I, I'm, I'm grateful that you listen all the way to the end. All the way to the hour, ten minute end. I hope you have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>